Father, we come before your throne of grace. We thank you for your children that have gathered around your throne, O Master. Holy Spirit, we thank you because you are in our midst, teaching us and revealing the truths, the hidden wisdom of God that has been revealed for the sons of God. And Father, we receive it, Lord, with grateful hearts, for we feast, feast on it and we feed on it because of the great sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, by which we have now received every good thing that we need in life. We worship you, we thank you, we bless you. Father, reveal your word in deeper way today, O Lord, that we may be able to live off it and receive the fruits thereby. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 The title of the message today is, What then shall we say to these things? Powerful word. Uh, the Lord is going to reveal new, new things to all of us. I believe that it's going to encourage us. It will break some strongholds in our life and will remove some blind spots and, and we'll see what works for the sons of God and what doesn't work for sons of God. It's going to be a powerful word. If you stay connected with it, hopefully we will, we'll, I'll try to cover as much as we can during this session. If not, we will continue it in the next session because I believe this is like a core word for a believer. Last time we had studied about be, you are now a son of God. It's, it's an amazing truth that not many uh, really dig deep. We always think that we, are, we have been reformed children of God. See, we are not reformed children. We are not just being cleansed. We are a brand new species that never existed before. See, that's a totally different thing. We have not just been cleansed out of our old nature and God has put a new nature in us. Oh, our, our behavior has transformed. Oh, we have become somebody that has been cleansed. It's a recycled version of our old self. Completely different. I mean, you need to go back and listen to the word. It's, it's on the website and on the podcast. Listen to the word called Born of God. You get a completely different paradigm from what the word is saying. We... You know, we, you and I are not like the first Adam at all. So it's not like, you know, we have been restored back to a sinless Adam. That's what a lot of people think. Oh, because Jesus came, died for us, resurrected. Now we are back to where Adam was. Sorry. You know, this species that called born again you never existed. You mean it was not like Adam before the sin? No. Completely new species completely new species. In fact, this species was not made with hands. Adam was made with hands. God made him with hands from the earth and, and breathed into him. You and I were completely made without hands. Prove, prove me from the word. Okay, let's go to it today. And that is why we as sons of God are a totally new species. We look the same like a natural son of God, but we are a totally new species. The only package that you have carrying on from your previous life is your body package. That's all. Your completely new spirit, completely new operation, new benefits, new features, new authority. You, you if you just dig into it, you will completely understand what all uh, the enemy has hidden from us. Of the, if our position in Christ Jesus. And today we'll look at that into some more detail and get, get the benefits of it. So what shall we say to these things? This is a verse that is from Romans chapter 8. And we will, we'll cover Romans chapter 8. 
brothers and sisters, Romans chapter 8 will open up like never before today. If we get to Romans chapter 8, but let's go before this. We said we are sons of God, right? So we have now a better name than angels. Did you know that? We have a better name than angels because Jesus has a better name than angels. And if Jesus has a better name than angels, we have a better name than angels. Let me ask you a question. Why? Why should we have a better name than angels? Because Jesus has a better name in angels. Why? Because we are just like Jesus. Remember, Jesus was the first fruit and tomorrow, we, tomorrow is uh, Resurrection Sunday, correct? So the Bible says he was a first fruit of the resurrection. Remember when Jesus met Mary Magdalene outside the tomb, what did he say? Do not touch me for I have not yet ascended to my father, correct? So he was the first one that ascended out from this father as first fruit. And he carried a lot of first fruits along with him. If you remember, in the, the high priest in Israel, when they had to offer the first fruit, the high priest would go in first and he would carry a select amount of first fruit of the first harvest with him. Not the whole harvest, just the first fruits. In Jerusalem, that exactly happened. When Jesus rose again, remember there's a verse in the Bible which says, many saints of old also raised up in Jerusalem and they appeared to many for 40, for 40 days. Did you remember that? And that is a, that's a verse that is not expounded on. What were those saints? Like David, Abraham, Noah, all these guys showed up in Jerusalem. Why? I thought the rapture has not yet happened. How can they raise up? Guess what? God was raising up a select first fruits along with the firstborn. For the high priest to take it to heaven. So when Jesus ascended to the father's throne. Guess who did he carry along with him? A few first fruits of the type that you and I. Remember we have a new body. We will get a new body. But those first fruit saints got their new body. Just because Jesus got their first fruits. Got it? So select few. That is why in Revelation he says, I saw on Mount Zion 144,000 first fruits. Remember that? Because those 144,000 were the first fruits. And in, this is, they are perfect. They are clothed in white. In their mouth there is no deceit. Because God is saying, they are just like you. Even with a new body out there in, in Mount Zion with the Lamb of God. They, we, you know, people have messed up that doctrine so much. They, they, they think that that 144,000 is like special group of people that God is going to preserve in the last days. My, my dear brothers and sisters, those are the first fruits that are already with the Lamb. And God, Jesus Christ took those first fruits along with them. Why is it called first fruits? Because the first fruit, there's a principle in the Bible. The first fruit is always like the harvest. Why? Because it's a confidence to you. If the first fruit looks good, you are assured that you will look good. If the first fruit is righteous, you are righteous. The first fruit is holy, you are holy. Make sense? It's a powerful truth that the first fruit's position is your position. So, let's go back to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 to 5. It says, God who at various times in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets and has in these last days spoken to us by his son whom he has appointed heir of all things 
okay? Through whom he also made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and the upholding of all things by the word of his power, when? See, when did God make Jesus Christ the heir of all things? When did he do that? See, he didn't do that when God, Jesus existed before the foundation of the world. It's very clear. When did God make Jesus the heir of all things? Remember when Jesus came into the earth as a baby, he did not own the earth. Who owned the earth? Satan. Satan. Remember when J Satan appeared before Jesus, he said, all these kingdoms have been delivered unto me. Jesus never disputed it because the kingdoms were delivered to him. Because who delivered the kingdoms of this world to Satan? The first Adam. So the Adam was given the kingdoms of the earth because God said, you will have dominion over all the earth. See, the heavens are the, are, are God, is, are, are God, it belongs to God, but the earth he has given to the sons, sons of God, sons of men, right? To the son of man. So he, the, that son of man, Adam, that's, uh, he gave it to Satan. When he gave out, gave his authority. And then, so Jesus need not have the earth. He did not inherit the earth. The earth didn't belong to him. But what God did was, which is what happened to, to tomorrow, which we're going to celebrate. The day of resurrection, when G God raised Jesus up, he made him an heir of all things, heaven and on earth. Okay, and let's keep reading. Heir of all things. When... He by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much more better than angels. Let me ask you a question. This creation never existed. You see, when God created man, he made them how? Equal to angels or little lower than angels? Yes. See, when God created man, which man? The first man, he created him little lower than angels. But yet, when God create, resurrected Jesus Christ, he resurrected him to a new creation, which was much higher than angels. You see that? Now you see that? Now you're starting getting to see a new creation has now sh showed up. So Jesus, so you'll say, but Jesus was not created. Jesus was resurrected, but that's the power of the humility of the Lord Jesus Christ. That he became subject, he became a man and became subject to death. See, as God, Jesus could never die. So he humbled himself as a man, so that as man, he could die. Why was it important that Jesus should die? Because if Jesus would not die, you would be forever living eternally as a sinner. You got the problem? See, you are in this prison called time in which you could never exit out. And we talked about it in past lifetimes. It was so important that you, this movie has an end. You know, the best part of this movie of redemption is the fact that this movie has an end. The good news is when the end shows up in this movie. And Jesus was the one who could create an end to the story. Remember when, when God, when they ate of the knowledge of tree and good and evil, what did God do? He put, an, he put angels around with flaming swords, protecting the tree 
from man. Why? I mean, don't you want man to eat of the tree of life? That's a picture of Jesus Christ. But he said, no, I will not allow them to eat of the tree of life because what will happen? No, <laughs> they already know the good and evil. They will, they will not die. Oh my goodness, you will be forever locked into a prison of sin. And even Jesus Christ could never be able to rescue you out. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for death. Yeah. Death was good for man because it has death means there was an end to this prison of sin. There was an end to this prison of being separation from God. And Jesus on the cross sucked it all up and finished death. See, that's the beauty of Good Friday. The Good Friday is not that he suffered. The Good Friday was that the, the altar, the water, the fire was all burnt up. There was nothing left to burn. That's the good part of Jesus' sacrifice. There was an end. So what happened was, not Jesus in resurrection. Brothers and sisters, you need to meditate on your new life creation. There is so much power. You have a better name than angels. No wonder suddenly angels serve you in this new creation. Did you notice that? Before Jesus was, uh, when, before, uh, before Jesus was resurrected, men were always afraid of angels. Every time an angel show up, they would fall down on the ground. They would worship angels. They would be afraid of angels. But after Jesus resurrected, Mary was like, where is Jesus? Like angels are talking to Mary, Magdalene. Angels are showing up. But the disciples are not very afraid. Why? Because now they have authority. They have a better position than angels. In fact, when John in Revelation when he gets his revelation on how perfect God created him, how beautiful he is, he falls on at the feet of this angel who is giving him this good news. And the angel is saying, don't do this. I am of your servants. I am, I am supposed to be serving you. You cannot, you cannot be worshipping me. You cannot do that because angels know their authority now compared to you, your new creation right now. Do you get that? Did you get it? Now they ask, they serve you. Say, serve me. Serve me. Not because of pride. That's because your position is now equal with God. Co-heirs with Jesus. Did you use the word co-heirs? It's not like Jesus, God the Father, Jesus, and then you. I'm sorry, that is not scriptural. How is it now? God the Father. God the Son. With, with you. In you. So you are in Christ Jesus. You are not less than Jesus. You are in Jesus. So your position is co-equal with God. Sitting at his right hand. You got it? All things are subject to the Father. But in Christ Jesus, you are co Hairs with Christ. That is why the Bible uses the word co-hairs. Doesn't say that you have you are subject to Christ Jesus. You are co-hairs with Christ Jesus. Amazing, amazing truth. Amazing truth and something that we need to do. So we obtained a bet, more excellent. Look at this verse. Now, he, when he sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on I, having obtained so much more better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. 
Let me ask you a question. So Jesus received this new authority. He inherited all things and he received this name. Also, he got it. Let me ask you a question. Did he get this by his works? Or did he get it by his birth? That is so beautiful. Let me ask you this question again. This is not about you. But it has major implications on how you walk in this new life. When Jesus, God made Jesus Christ the heir of all the earth. And he gave him a name better than angels. Did he give this because Jesus performed and did all the works of his father? Or did he get it because he was born? Why? Look at verse, what it says. He received as he has by what? Inheritance. Inheritance. How do you inherit something? Being by, by being born in that family. That's the only way. You cannot ever perform to receive what is only given by inheritance. Manor, how much ever you look or shave or change your color, you can never become of the house of Windsor in England. Can you? Yeah. You, can you? No. No. If you behave just like them, you talk just like them, you speak British English, you look like them, can you receive the inheritance of the house of Windsor? No. No. But yet, yet the, yet the toddler who is just born in their household, who cannot even speak English, who cannot code Java, he doesn't know microservices, he doesn't know Angular chairs. <laughs> Can, will he inherit all the companies of his household? Yes. Yes. Why? Born in that he was born by inheritance. And Jesus, I mean, of all the people who should deserve to receive this, in, uh, this uh, uh, inheritance, it should have been Jesus by works of his works. But yet, God decided that Jesus is not going to get this better name. He is not going to get this inheritance because of what he did, but because how he was born. Say how he was born. Why? Because if Jesus received it by birth, how do you receive it? Hallelujah. You receive this better name by inheritance, brothers and sisters. It has nothing to do with performance. In fact, today's message is going to be about this. So what shall we say to these things? I mean, what do you, I mean, what do you say to these things? This is God's plan. What do I tell? I mean, what, what, I mean this doesn't make any sense. It absolutely doesn't make any sense that I receive this inheritance, I receive this victory by birth. What should I say to these things? Okay, let's keep looking. So, so Hebrews chapter 1 says he received a better name. What name was it? Let's go to Hebrews chapter 1 verse 6. But when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels of God worship him. Sorry, uh, verse 5. Can somebody read verse 5? Hebrews chapter 1 verse 5. So he's saying, how did he get a better name? And this is what the Bible says. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 5. But to which of the angels did he ever say, 
So, so the the name. So he's saying, okay, Jesus received a better name. Oh, I think the G, the name is Jesus, Lord Jesus Christ. I thought Jesus' name was already there. J Jesus was always new, known as Jesus. Or what? What was this new name that Jesus received, which he did not have before? The Son. Correct. How do we know that? Because the Bible says it. This is the name. Because he says, to which of the angels did God ever say what? You are my son. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Today I have begotten you. That means this birth happened at a particular time. And when, what was the day called? Resurrection. It was called today. today. It was called today. Remember the word today? So when Jesus... When, when, when did Jesus become a, became a son? Today. Today. <laughs> so it doesn't have a time. It doesn't have a date. It was a, it was a time and a day called today. Say today. It's capital letters today. So today. God, the father, when Jesus was in, in hell and suffering, God spoke to him and said, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. And again he said, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. Did you hear that? So God the father raised him up by physically creating him or by speaking to him? Speaking to him. And when he spoke to him, what did, what, remember the, the, the Adamic Jesus died and a new G Jesus the Jesus that was born out of the words of God the father called you are my son was born so he was born out of words not by hands like Adam was remember when when God uh, there's a verse he says you knit me together in my mother's womb that's how we are all born correct God knits us together. How do you knit something? With hands. With hands. So how did God knit Jesus in the womb of Ma Mary? By words. Yeah, by, by words. But what? Still hands. He knit him together. He was born for nine months. He was knit together. But the resurrected Jesus was full blown, full mature, walked into Outside the tomb, completely, no baby language, nothing, was completely born. How did that happen? By word. By word. Do you see the power? A brand new creation. It was not like the 33-year-old Jesus that walked the banks of the Sea of Galilee. It was a completely different Jesus, but a born-again Jesus. Do you see the power of that words that words created this Jesus you are my son today I have begotten you why because God created this born again you by words right now brothers and sisters we, when you, remember when God created Jesus when he begotten Jesus that's the word that is used he begot Jesus you were begotten when Jesus died you died when Jesus was resurrected I I don't know whether they like the word resurrected. I mean, in the sense, it looks like as if it's the same thing again, in a sense, but more powerful is that 
He was raised up. He was exalted. He came. He became a son. He was born as a new creation, completely a brand new one. So in that sense, it's more powerful than resurrection. Because it was not just the old. It was a completely brand new first fruit of creation. But it was Jesus. But in him, we were all recreated. Completely brand new. Okay, that is one. So he has a name called son. Which was the other one? Other, other name. Verse 8. But to the son, he says, the father, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. So what is the second name that God gave Jesus after he was resurrected? God. God. He called Jesus. Now this is the father, father God calls Jesus what? God. This born again Jesus, God calls what? God. Your throne, O God. Now, this sounds really, I mean, I know it doesn't, it doesn't sound even kosher. That God the Father is calling God the Son, God. And he's speaking like that. He's not like saying, Jesus, my son. No, he's saying, your throne, O God. It's not like an angel speaking to Jesus. This is God the Father speaking to God the Son. He says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. What is the second name that is more better than angels? Because he never called any angels God. He never says that they had a throne that they could sit on. In fact, they were always standing and ministering. Right? But to Jesus, after resurrected, he said, your throne, O God. What he says? Is forever and ever. Your scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, that is the God the Father, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than all your companions. Companions means all, all, we are all his companions. He, he is more joyful in heaven. He's more full of joy than we would ever be. Because God has anointed Jesus Christ with the oil of gladness than all his uh, companions. Look at verse 10. And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth. Now, God the Father is speaking to God the Son. And he's telling him, when he resurrected him, he's saying, you, Lord. Now, now we know who laid the foundations of the earth. Who laid the foundations of the earth? God. Jesus. The Lord Jesus Christ laid the foundations of the earth. Hey, we, this, isn't this great to hear the conversation between God the Father and God the Son? He says, you Lord. He's reminding Jesus, you Lord. Now God the Father is not only calling Jesus God, he's also calling Jesus what? Lord. Lord. Now he's got three names. First, Son. Son. Second, Lord. God. Lord. Third. Lord. Lord. Do you see he's got all these names right now? And if we are in him, we receive the benefits of all these names ourselves. You got it? In fact, we studied that in, in uh, Psalms. He said, uh, Jesus' own words. He says, you are gods. And yet you will die like men. So it almost looks like there is new two categories. One is called men and one is called what? God. When we were born of Adam, we were men. Now when we are born of God, we are what? 
God's. Not in a prideful sense because in Christ Jesus we are now this new creation. I am sorry you are not just born gods. You are born sons of God. And because you are, you should know how to behave in the house of God. <laughs> this is so good. You, if you have a dog in your house, can the dog use the kitchen as the bathroom? No. What, what do you do with the dog who uses the kitchen as its bathroom? Discipline it. Discipline it. Because what, what are you going to tell the dog? Say, you need to behave. You should know how to behave yourself in the house of God. Yes or no? Yeah. You should know how to behave yourself in the house of God. Correct? Okay. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 3. Sorry. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Verse 14. Now, Paul is writing to Timothy. Watch his language, okay? Watch, watch his language. He says, he's writing to Timothy. Paul is writing to Timothy. He says, these things are right to you, I, though I hope to come to you shortly. But if I am delayed, I'd write to you so that you, sh you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God. <laughs> so he's saying, hey, let me tell you how to conduct yourself in the house of God. Why? What's the problem? Doesn't Timothy know how to... So what is he talking about the house of God? What is the house of God? He's born again sons. Correct. The born again body of Jesus Christ is the new house of God. Yeah. How many of you will recognize that? House of God is not a building. House of not not a gathering of believers. House of God is what? Born again sons. The body of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yes or no? Correct? So it's the temple of God. Say yes, the temple of God. Correct? So in the first temple was a very elaborate instructions on how to conduct themselves. Yes. Correct. What happens if they don't conduct themselves in the first temple correctly? <laughs> I like Sushil like very plain matter of fact. They just die. You know, we'll just get more priests. More Levites. Because you, you can just an endless supply of, you know, what? Because it's very important. In fact, the chief priests were very clear that they need to know how to conduct themselves in the house of God. In the temple of God. What do you mean the house of God? The house where God dwells. What is that, what is that called in the Old Testament? In the Old Testament, what was the house of God called? Tabernacle. Temple, correct? Temple or the tabernacle, correct? So it was the house of God and was called the temple of God. So where God dwells is a temple, correct? So he, so the, the priests knew how to conduct themselves because if they did not conduct themselves, what happens? At the very basic, they die, correct? But if they know how to conduct themselves, what is the benefits to them? Yeah, but they receive the benefits of it. Why? What happens based on their conduct in the temple has implications outside in their life throughout the year. Yeah. Huge. I mean, they, they, they didn't have to worry about armies. They didn't have to worry about harvest. They didn't have to worry about fertilizers. They didn't have to worry about stocking up. Because whatever happened in the temple would reflect in their life. Yes or no? 
Yes, it was so powerful. It was like a, the, that was the secret of Israel. Like the Philistines discovered it. Like where the ark would go, they were untouchable. You could not touch them. Everybody is dying. I mean, armies can fell, fall before this ark because that's where the presence of God was. Where God dwelt, nobody could touch them. And that's exactly what happens. So Paul is telling to Timothy, now you understand this context. He's saying, Timothy, let me tell you how to conduct yourself in the house of God. Correct? Okay, keep reading. Which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. Powerful words. Powerful words. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Now he is introducing. He's saying this mystery of godliness. What do you mean godliness? This is huge. What he's saying is, I'm going to tell you a mystery that was not available for anybody before Jesus was resurrected. This mystery of godliness, this new birth. What is available in this new birth? How do you operate in this new birth? How do you operate in this temple? How do you receive the benefits of it? And he, and he reveals six, say six. Six, six mysteries of godliness. <laughs> Have you ever studied these mysteries of godliness? <laughs> <laughs> it's so powerful. I know you think this is about Jesus. No, it is not. If it is only about Jesus, it's not a mystery. Paul is writing to Timothy, let me tell you the mystery of godliness. Six, say six. 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 And he, uh, and he uh, says it here. Who was manifested, say manifested. <laughs> manifested in the flesh. So this godliness is manifested in the flesh. Yes or no? Yes. yes. So, I know that Jesus was manifested in the flesh. But he's saying is this righteousness, this godliness that Jesus was revealed in the flesh. That means for the for, for first time in human history, we knew what righteousness looks like when we saw who? Jesus. Jesus. Now, in the church, in the new birth, this godliness is available to you. Yes or no? Yes. Yes. So this godliness is also manifested in the flesh. How? Through Jesus. Okay. How is it manifested in the world right now? Through us. So when they look at you, so when they look at Annie, God sees who? Jesus. No. Yeah, he sees Jesus, but he, they, she, God sees righteousness manifested in the flesh. Uh, do you know, do you, re, do you realize it? You say, no, but Jesus, no, you're not getting it, right? You're not getting it. See, when you are born again, your righteousness is also not manifested in the flesh. Though when they look at Alkesh, you're seeing what? A sinful Alkesh or a righteous Alkesh? Do you see the mystery? Why is it called a mystery? Because it doesn't appear so, but it is so. Yeah. So you, is Anusha now manifested righteousness in the flesh? Yes. See, it's so difficult to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying to myself, yes. <laughs> right, because it's a mystery. But Paul, Timothy is saying, uh, Paul is trying to Timothy, Timothy, 
I'm sorry, I'm screaming. You are not a dog anymore. Don't stay out in the outhouse. Come into the house. Learn how to conduct yourself. You are seated at the right hand of the Father. Walk like that. Talk like that. Let me tell you the mystery of godliness. Hallelujah. Righteousness, godliness manifested in the flesh. So you are walking, talking, manifested Jesus Christ on the earth. It is. You are. I mean, if you don't know it, your privileges are... See, you know, I had this Amex card, uh, a platinum Amex card, right? And I've had it for many years. So we recently went to India uh, on this trip and we came back. So my, my Josh has been always saying, Dad, get me an Amex platinum card because I travel and I want to use the... Uh, Airport lounges. Airport Amex lounges where, where, you know, food is free, everything is free, you, you can take care. And, and I'm like, no, 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 I think, I think we have to spend extra money to get that. So, I, so we went through this whole trip, we bought food on the way, at all the airports, st stood in line, uh, uh, sat in lousy chairs. And I come back and I realize all the airports that we went through, they had luxury lounges with all food and buffet available for the whole family. I never once used utilized that card. And that's that's because not because I did not have it. I already had it, but because I did not have knowledge, say knowledge. knowledge. I did not use the benefits of it. You got it? This knowledge is important for you to use the benefits of this uh, 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 position that you have, this godliness. This godliness is manifested in the flesh. Second, justified in the spirit. That means what? In your spirit, you are completely justified. That means no accus accusation can be brought against you. No charges can be brought against you. No judgments can come against you because you are justified. You'll say, but, but the, the price has not been paid. Justified. Justified means what? Yeah, or or what? Justified means what? Completely paid up. See, this is very important. The, the implication of justice has related to price not fully paid. Right? When you say, hey, somebody kills somebody, right? And the, the victims, uh, somebody kills somebody's um, uh, child. And the mother cries out. He says, I need justice. What is she looking for? Yeah, but what? What is she looking for? Yeah, she's looking for justice. Means what? What What does she want? Tell me in plain language, what does she want? She wants the guy who killed needs to die. Correct. The guy who killed her son needs to die. So when she dies, what will she say? It's, um, it's justified. It is justified. I have received my justice fully. Yes or no? Yes. Suppose he receives life imprisonment. What will she say? It's not enough. It's not, it's it's not, not enough. Because he took my child's life, he needs to die too. Correct? Yes. See, you, you see that cry coming out of any tribal person. The, in, a, in a country that may have laws, does not have laws. The 
cry in every human being's blood is justice. Remember when Abel's blood was shed, what did his blood cry out? Vengeance. Vengeance. Somebody has to die. The one who killed me had to die. That is why God had to put a mark on uh, Cain. Because what? Everywhere he was going, the earth was crying out. What? You need to die because justice has not been paid fully. So when God says justified in the spirit means what? In this godliness, this born again experience, every payment has been made in your life. You don't have to stand up and say, oh, you know what? I've, gee, I, I need to pay this price. And I've heard this so many times in churches, in preaching, in your own thoughts. Oh, you know what? This part I need to pay. I need to suffer some more. I need to learn something about it. Why? Are you not justified in the spirit? See, why? Because it's a mystery. This godliness is a mystery. Because God says when he looks at you, price paid. You say, but you know, I did not do a good job with my boss. Doesn't matter. What is the answer? I'm justified. I'm justified. It is as if I already did not make that mistake. Do you, believe, do you receive the benefits of justice? You will. I'll show you some powerful examples. I don't know whether we can cover all of it today. Third, what is the third mystery of godliness? Seen by angels. Seen by angels. Why is that a benefit? Because they serve us. Correct. See, for the, see, more than important. You know, early before Jesus Christ, men didn't want to be seen by angels. Why? Let me ask you a question. If you are a murderer, will you build a house next to a police, police station? <laughs> you you always take you'll buy make your house far away from the enforcers of the law yes or no yes. correct that is why people who break the law in the US where do they go to huh? Mexico Mexico I was waiting for that <laughs> why why? Is Mexico too far away from United States? No. No. What is far away from United States? The law. The law of United States. Yeah. Because the one who breaks the law knows that the law of United States does not apply to Mexico. Correct? Yes. So that is why he says this godliness, you can build a house next to angels. <laughs> You, can, you are seen by angels. That is why before the throne of God, the 24 elders, who shows up when they are seated? The four living cherub, cherubs, right? Cherubims, the living creatures. And what are they full of? Eyes. eyes. What are these eyes checking the elders of? Within and without. Within. They are checking in and out. They are, they are not only checking you outside, they are scanning you, x-raying you inside and outside. What are they checking? Beautiful inside and outside. <laughs> I don't know about beauty. They are checking. Is, <laughs> <laughs> you, if, is there any uncleanness in you? And what, what are they testifying about it? After they saw these 24 elders inside and outside, what did they say? Holy, holy, holy. So that's the mystery of godliness. That angels look at you and say what? Holy. Hallelujah. 
You say, but no, angels only look at God and say, holy, holy. That's a mystery of godliness. The mystery of godliness is that angels can look at you and say what? Holy, holy, holy. holy. If angels look at you and say that you are holy, you know there is this one angel who definitely knows that you are holy. Which one? Lucifer. Lucifer. See, Lucifer is still an angel. He, he, his creation has not changed. You think oh, God created this specific creation called devil. You know, he created angels, then he created the devil with supernatural abilities to tempt people. No, just one. It was just an angel went rogue. That's all. Same, same. <laughs> so so when, when this angel looks at you, he knows you are holy. He knows you are righteous. He knows you are clean. And he knows he cannot touch you. You are seen by angels. Amen. That is why after resurrection, angels show up in the church. Angels are saving Peter out from. Angels stand up before Paul on the boat that is going to be shipwrecked. Angels show up all the time. Angels appear to uh, Philip and tells him to go. And angels show up all the time. Amazing. Why? Because angels can show up without looking at you and say, by the way, you have a warrant up against you. I mean, like, he's more, like, if any time uh, cops show up, the first thing they check is they check your plate before they can help you out. First they check, is there any warrant outstanding against you? Is there any uh, child support claims against you? And then they'll say, okay, by the way, what do you want? <laughs> it's like, first, let's make sure that you are clear before we can help you. But today, angels are out there helping you because that's their job. Amen? Amen? Okay, let's look at the third one. Preached among the Gentiles. That means what is available? This godliness, this righteousness is available for the Gentiles. That means that people who did not have a covenant. That is for anybody. This righteousness is not just available for people who keep the law. He's not even available for those who break the law. It's available for people who are without the law. You and I, this righteousness, this godliness is preached. It's available for everybody. So what does it make it possible? It makes it possible for you to minister this to anybody. It doesn't, it's not subject to performance. It is not subject to their status. It's not subject to, oh, this guy is a Brahmin. Oh, this guy is a uh, scheduled caste tribe. Oh, this guy is, uh, he's not from this nation. Oh, he's from this color. Doesn't matter. This mystery of godliness is available to everybody. Hallelujah. It's amazing. And then, believed up on the world. This godliness is believed on in the world. Did you notice that there is nothing in this thing about doing? Manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in the glory. Where is performance in this? Obviously, the core, I mean, if you look at godliness across to every uh, worldly 
philosophy and religion. Forget about religion. Any philosophy. What is the key essential ingredient of a philosophy? What is the key essential philosophy ingredient? Performance. Performance. Like if you want to be a leader, you need to do a certain certain things. If you want to be saved, you need to. Like the rich man came to Jesus and said what? How can I earn this righteousness? No, he didn't say that. What are the exact words? What must I do? What? Yes. What? In fact, very clear. What must I do? Do. Very clear. Do is very ingredient element of any godliness. But in this godliness, that's why it's a mystery. There is no performance. So what is there? Instead of performance, what is what shows up? Believed in the world. You see, the mystery of godliness is you need to believe it. You need to believe that your manifest righteousness has manifested in the flesh. You need to believe that you are justified in the spirit. You need to believe that angels look at you and know that you are perfectly righteous in Christ Jesus. You need to believe that this is available for you despite your pedigree. You need to believe the believe it. Believe this righteousness. Because the way you receive the benefits of this is by believing. And the final part what? Received up in glory. You are received up by God in glory. That talks about a rapture. That talks about how God receives us even right now. But even your body, everything is received up in glory. It's not like, oh, depending on my life as a believer, God will see whether to receive me up or not. Here there's an assurance of this godliness. What is the assurance? That you will be received up. A lot of people say, you know, you better watch up because the rapture will happen and you will be left behind. I'm sorry. That's not what this mystery of godliness says. This mystery of godliness says you will be received up in glory. You will be received not just, oh, you know what, I just made it into heaven without glory. No. You will be received up in glory because this glory came to you by virtue of you being born in Christ Jesus. If Jesus was received up in glory, how are you going to be received up? In glory. glory. How was Jesus received up into heaven? In glory. glory. How will you be received up into heaven? In glory. glory. So that brings you to the whole picture. How should you exit earth? Let me repeat. Not through hospice. (laughs) Not through nursing homes. I agree. That's a natural world. But how should you exit earth? In glory. Say glory. Glory. So say I will exit earth Earth. in glory. glory. Because my father father receives me me. in glory. glory. Let me ask you a question. Which was the most famous exit out of the earth in humankind? (laughs) Most exit Most, did I say, most exciting, most glorious exit from the earth? Elijah. Elijah. I mean, you could not beat Elijah's exit. Even Jesus did not have that exit. Chariots of fire. Jesus went up in a cloud. But but it was glorious, right? I mean, it was glorious. But the Bible says, uh, on the Mount of Transfiguration, you saw that picture of his glory. But his physical glory was he lifted up. But the glory of Elijah, 
and exit out in glory because it was complete. Uh, and, a, and a prophet who complained that I am no good, kill me. <laughs> and God says, let me, let me decide whether you are no good. Let me take you naked or let me take you glorious. He took him glorious. Why? Because it was a mystery. Why would Elijah receive that reception and not you? Everybody receives that who are born in Christ Jesus. So you will exit from this earth. But while you are here, you should know how to con conduct yourself. Now he's talking all this with respect to Timothy. With respect to what? How to conduct yourself in this house of God. Amen? That's the context. So he's saying, let me show you before he can... Show how to conduct yourself in this house of God. Let me show you the mystery of godliness that what you are in Christ Jesus. And that's what he says. Okay, let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Now I'm going to read 1 Timothy chapter 4. I'm going to just stay with it and read it. And the, the whole passage is very self-explanatory because it is in the context of how to, how to live as a believer. How to live as a victorious believer. How to live as a son of God. Now he's telling Timothy that. And look at, look at his context. He's just set the context of the mystery of godliness and he explained the mystery of godliness and there are six mysteries of godliness i want you to go back and meditate on it go and study it and understand it and then he says first timothy chapter 4 now the spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith that means he says though i am telling you all this some of the believers will depart from the faith. That means will depart from this mystery of godliness. Correct? And what will they do? They will give heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines. Very, very important. Because Satan is going to come after you to rob you of this authority, of this Amex card by telling you some lie. By deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. And Paul says, this is how you know that it's a doctrine of demons. Look at these doctrines. This is so powerful. When you read these doctrines, it almost looks like methods to godliness. Very weird. It doesn't talk anything about sexual immorality or anything like that. It talks about methods to godliness. But yet, Paul says that these are doctrines of demons. Right? Wow. I mean, I'm expecting jealousy... Uh, uh, sexual immorality, uh, drunkenness. But look at what Paul is looking at. He is writing to Timothy, correct? They will, they will give, they will depart from the faith. That means they will depart from this mystery of godliness and giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Guess what? Speaking lies. What lies? They will say that believers are not perfect. That believers are not righteous. That believers are not holy. That believers are a work in progress. That believers are condemned. That believers will not be received up in glory. That believers have to perform for this righteousness. That believers are to be afraid of angels. That believe angels are holy. And you be careful around them. That You know, all kinds of stuff, junk, sounds holy, sounds religious, and makes you lower than angels all the time. Oh, you're just men, but just making it into heaven. Don't talk at all. You know, all kinds of, but everything looks very godly related. Because these are doctrines of demons. You see how the deceiving spirits are? He explains that. Look at the first ones. Speaking lies in hypocrisy. 
Lies. Lies and hypocrisy. Talking about righteousness that you are not righteous. Yet they say that they are righteous because of what they did. And they are hypocrites. They are talking about you. Second, having their own conscience seared. That means you are so sensitive to conscience. Every time they do something, oh, I just sinned. I need to confess my sin. Oh, I sinned. Oh, I just fell. Oh, I'm sinned. You're constantly, you're, you know, a, a wound that is seared is very sensitive. Nothing can touch it. Why? When, when you have a burn, when you have a burn, what do they do? They cover it. Because if anything touches it, it what happens? It irritates you. Correct? So that's what happens. He says a, a conscious seared. That means a very sensitive conscious. But you know, but, but that's a good, isn't that a good thing, brother? That having a good sensitive conscience, but not according to Paul, because this is the mystery of godliness is not having a, it's having a perfect conscience in Christ Jesus because you're perfect in him. It's not about you. But when you move away from that and start following these doctrines of demons, guess what happens? You don't know how to conduct yourself in the house of God. You are like the dog using the kitchen as a bathroom. Or you're doing stupid things. You do not know who you are. You, you have to know that you are the prince seated at the father's right hand. And perfect. And how can you be holy brethren if you are not holy? How can the Holy Spirit live in an unholy vessel? How can the Holy God have a dwelling in an unclean vessel? Look at the illogic about it. But yet you say, but you know, it's good for me to feel like that. Who says that? <laughs> I don't know why I'm using this example, but this might make sense. If you give an, <laughs> if you put your house for up for Airbnb, and it's a beautiful house, it's about 4,500 square foot house. It has a pool, it has running water, it has hot jacuzzi, everything. House is all clean, and you put it up for Airbnb. And this couple shows up, and you and 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 they are paying about a thousand dollars per day to live in the uh, house. Correct. Uh, so the couple shows up at the front door. You meet them at the front door. And, and they say, oh, this is such a beautiful house. Everything looks so beautiful, so nice. And then you give him the keys. He says, aye, this is just a toilet. <laughs> it's all dirty. It's, it's not clean. I mean, why would, you, why would you call your house, which is perfect, that is completely clean, that God has made completely, and he dwells in it, why would he call it a toilet? No, I am just being humble about my dwelling. Why? Don't you want them to live in this house? No, it's just a toilet, but you can live in it. You know, that's, that's how you think about your own body. That's how you think about your own self. Oh, I am just a wretched, miserable self. Just sinning every day, morning, evening, confessing in the night, cleaning up, morning, tomorrow morning, again dirty. <laughs> Forget about Airbnb. Even your kids won't want to live in that place. You know, that's not how we are. We are completely blood washed. See, when, when Jesus, when did Jesus receive this great name as son Lord and God. Day. Yeah, but when did it happen? When he had purged, when he had done a good work, when he had finished, and then God gave him by inheritance, correct? Yes. Like if that work is still unfinished, God will have to say, Jesus, man, you didn't do a good job. You need to go back and clean stuff up. It's not fully purged. 
go back. I mean, I give back that names back again. Because, you know, your work is not fully done. That's not how it is. He has purged. He has cleansed. He has done. You got the me message? Right? So when you, when you go around, you don't know how to conduct yourself in the house of God. It's a shame not to God, but to yourself and to your authority and to your place. And you are not able to receive the benefits of it. That $500 that you were expecting to receive, goodbye. <laughs> Nobody's going to rent your place. You know, that, that's how you look at it. You won't receive the benefits of this dwelling place that you have. This house of God, it has authority. This has power. And no, and, and it is, this is your place. And this place is the Lord Jesus Christ, that his body. Okay, keep continuing. Uh, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry. Oh, wow, that sounds like so religious. Oh, don't marry, brother. Give yourself full time into ministry. Don't marry, okay? That's a godly man. He did not even marry. <laughs> so, so godly is related to not being married. He, he can be doing dash, dash, dash in his bedroom in the night. But... Brother, he is not married. <laughs> you see, the that's why. Because you're, now you are associating godliness with your marital status. And there is, there is a whole denomination in Christendom that believes that for you to be godly, you need to be unmarried. And Paul says that these demons will come. And Paul is like telling and Paul is not writing on his own because he is writing it through the Holy Spirit. Because what are they after? They don't want you to conduct yourself as a son of God in the house of God. Say son of God. In the house of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. Second, forbidding to marry. Third, okay, not third, some more. Commanding to abstain for foods which God created. Wow! I mean, this is like the common thing. Brother, I am fasting for 20 days, 30 days, 50 days, 100 days. You are constantly abstaining for food. Forget about some food, all food. I only drink water because I am waiting on a breakthrough from God for this. Guys, your godliness is a finished work. I mean, if you want to fast, fast. But don't fast because you are trying to become more godly. To obtain something. Why would you want to do that? And guess what? When you, <laughs> you fast like 40 days, you don't receive what happens. You become angry. You become angry with God. Because like, you did not give me a goat. <laughs> I slogged all these days. I mean, the ones who are angry, the believers who are angry, are the ones who are not, do not know how to conduct themselves in the house of God. Because they are trying to conduct themselves as somebody that they are not and does not receive the benefits. I mean, brothers and sisters, you better stay in this for this series. And you are going to open up some strongholds and some stuff that are going to break off of you. And you are just going to completely open up your eyes on what is available. Oh my goodness, when Jesus says, when, when the disciples ask Jesus, He's talking about this temple. And he says not one stone will be uh, left unturned. And these dis disciples come to Jesus privately and says, when will these things be? And Jesus says some a powerful statement. Most assuredly I say to you, 
this generation shall not pass until all these things will be fulfilled. And we totally miss that. Because Jesus is not talking about that physical temple. He's not talking about the end times. He's talking about God is saying, when will this godliness by performance be replaced by godliness by inheritance? When will this happen? And Jesus says, I say to you, in this generation in which I'm standing, it is, he said, these things, what these things? Oh my goodness, if you're already, I don't even have time. We just got 15 minutes and I have to close. But you, you, you will have to get this in the next session. We will do that, but keep going. Forbidding to my commanding to abstain for foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. What truth? Correct. The truth of righteousness by inheritance. Oh, you say, brother, this is the truth that Jesus Christ is God. What? What has that got to do with it? That you already are. But what is the implication? The truth, because he says. The truth is the godliness, the mystery. Who believe this truth. That you are made righteous. That you are a son of God. Do you believe it? If you believe it, you will receive it. Hallelujah. Then look at what he says. For every creature of God is good. And nothing is to be refused. If it is received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God. How is it sanctified by the word of God? Because God just told it. He said to uh, Peter, remember when the Peter had this vision about all these unclean foods in a uh, bedsheet? And he said, go and eat it. And he's a Jew. And he's saying, I cannot eat it. I mean, like he's arguing with God. Like what is clean, what is unclean? Like God is saying, I'm telling you to eat it. He said, no, no, I cannot eat it because, okay. So who told you that it is unclean? The law said, I am telling you it is clean. What changed? The word. The word changed. So when word changed, what happens? Clean. You change. Now when God says it is clean, you say clean. Nobody like I'm stuck in uh, uh, New York City. But you have arrived in Dallas. No, but I'm still in New York. But guys, you, you reach Dallas. Like when the labels change, when the messaging changes, when the word changes, like every, every, every board is telling Dallas, like, no, I'm still in New York. Why? You need to know that the word has changed. The word of righteousness has now come. Go ahead and receive with meekness this word. Don't just be angry. <laughs> like like James, James talk about it. This is very powerful. You should read this. Let's go to James. James chapter... James chapter 1. James chapter 1. I want to address anger. Anger is a big problem. Especially with men, right? But not just with men, with, with everybody. Why, do, why are people angry? People are angry because Paul was angry. <laughs> oh, this is so funny. It, it, it is pathetic, but it is, it is really funny. Look at what Paul says. Ah, hallelujah. Oh my God, guys, there are so much stuff, but I don't have all the time. But we are going to, we're going to cover some of it. Okay. Okay. Uh, look at, look at Paul. Uh, 
look at Paul. Okay, Romans chapter 7 verse 14 to Romans chapter 7 verse 25. Now Paul is writing about his pre predicament as a Jew. He's saying, I know, for we know that the law is spiritual and I am carnal, sold under a sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. First frustration. <laughs> it's like, what am I? <laughs> this is a man talking. And I, this applies to every man, I'm telling you. A man un, in this world. This is a problem. What, what am I doing? I do not know. <laughs> like, that's the first frustration of an angry man. Second frustration. For what I will to do, I do not practice. <laughs> I want to do stuff. I want to make money. I want to be, be a good support for my wife. I want to do the right thing. I just cannot do it. I want to do it. But I end up, I cannot do it. Okay. Next. What I hate, I do. <laughs> so many believers, they're just mad. Like, Lord, I know what I'm supposed to do. But I'm supposed to stay away from this temptation. I'm supposed to do, not do this. But what I hate, that I do. Right? Okay. If then I do what I do not do, do not do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin who dwells in it. Now he's like so frustrated, he's like, I'm not doing all this thing. It's that sin who is dwelling in me. Fine. For I know that in me, nothing good dwells. That's a good thing. See, Paul came to a place in his life as a believer. He knows that in him, apart from Christ Jesus, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not fight. Another frustration. I have the will, but I do not know but how to perform <laughs> how to perform what is good i do not find so he he says so many things that he cannot do first he says i do not understand i do not practice uh, what i hate i do and i do not find so four levels of frustration okay then he finally says oh wretched man that i am who will deliver me from this body of death so he's like mad he's like angry like what what's going to happen but then he realizes that it's in Christ Jesus. Because of the born-again experience, he's able to now do stuff. Correct? Okay. Look at James chapter 1, verse 18 to 21. Now, James is saying, now this is so huge. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. See, remember I told you that your born-again experience is not made with hands. You are not born by hands. How, how were you born? By the word of truth. Who spoke this word of truth? God. God the Father. When God the Father spoke over Jesus, today I have begotten you. You are my son. Jesus was born. We were born. So that word came to all of us. Remember when we died, when Jesus died, we died. When we were born, we were born. But we were born by the same word of truth. What was the word of truth? You are my son. Today I have begotten you. I want you to just underline that and read it. Like if I say, everybody preserves birth certificates. Oh, in this uh, hospital, in this time, this day, I was born. And they all certified that you were really born of these parents. Did you know your birth certificate is this one? You are my beloved son. Today I have begotten you. 
This is how you were born again. That's how you were born again. So you can hold on to it. See, you were born a son. Say, born a son. Born a son. Born a son. Okay. Then read um, the next verse. So then, my brethren. Okay. So of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creation. That means what is James saying? That we might be a first fruits of his creation. What is he saying? That this creation never existed. This is James. This is not Paul. Paul, James is saying, when you were born, you never existed. So you are not the second man. Make sense? You look like the first man, but you are not the second man. You are a new creation and you are the first fruits of that. What in you is the first fruit? Your spirit. You see the spirit that you have right now is the first fruits of the final package that your body will also match up. But right now the spirit is the first. Like for example, Jesus walked through walls, correct? Yes. Could Adam walk through walls? No. No. But he was without sin. Because totally different creation. Got it? Yeah. You got it? So Adam could not walk through walls. But Jesus could. Yes. Right? Yes. Same creation? No. No, they are different. Different creation. Completely different. Does they do they look the same? Kind of. Yeah. Kind of. Right? Totally different creation. So we are the first fruits of this creation. Okay. Now because James says that what? Look at the next verse. So then my brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Why? Because you are not that first Adam. See, I'm saying, oh, my, br- my father was angry and therefore I am angry. Oh, my, in my family, anger problems are always there. Yes. And therefore you will behave angry. Why? Because you do not know how to conduct yourself as a son of God. And why don't you not do that? Because you are trying to behave by performance what you should behave by inheritance. Huge. Because you know this fact, James is saying, you be slow to wrath. Why? Look at the next verse. For the wrath of God does not produce the righteousness of God. I mean, my goodness, if you can ever marinate in it. There is no point, brothers and sisters, getting angry about your situation. You will not receive this victory by being angry about it. Like Paul. Paul is like a Pharisee. He's trying to keep the law. He's trying to be educated among Gamaliel. He's trying to do the right thing. He's persecuting the Christians. He's going after false doctrine. He's doing all kinds of things. But he's not getting any benefits of this righteousness. Yes or no? He's mad. And he was angry. And James says, so are his believers. So many believers are just mad because they don't get healed. They don't get prosperity. They are, they are not victorious. Their relationships are all mess. Life is a mess. Why? Not because they don't have it. Because they are thinking that they need to. They don't understand the mystery of godliness. They are who they already are. They are always linking to that first Adam. They're like, no, no, no. In my family, anger problems run. Oh, in my, in my, we have always been poor in our life. Oh, in, in my, you know, all kinds of, guys, 
You are not born from Adam. Do you get it? You are not even the same creation. And your anger is not going to produce this righteousness. So you like, remember this, the, the father had two sons. And this elder son, this is the exact word it says. It says, Luke chapter 15 verses 28 and 29. But, look at that elder son. Remember, let me ask you a question. Was this elder son a son? Yes. Yes. Huge. So is he applying to believers or unbelievers? Believers. Believers. Correct? Yes or no? Yes. Yes. What was the problem with this uh, older son? Look at verse uh, 28. Can somebody read that? But he was angry. Hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't run, don't run. <laughs> but he was a son, but he was angry. angry. Now, how can you be a son and be angry? James chapter 1. Why was the, the son of Jay in chapter 1 angry? He, he doesn't know how to conduct himself in the house of God. Like this elder son, did he know how to conduct himself in the house of his father? No. no. What was he doing? Let's read it. Let's, this is huge. This will open your eyes. And this will tell you why believers are angry. D don't fall their anger. Their anger has nothing to do with what they are feeling. They are angry. Say they are angry. Yeah. Like Paul was angry. He couldn't do anything about it. Did his anger solve his problem? No. no. Yes or no? No. No. He was more angry. He was so angry that he went to other cities to kill people. Did it solve the problem? No. no. Did he receive that righteousness? No. No. Did he receive the benefits? No. Did he receive the peace? No. Did he receive the victory? No. No. Why? Because he did not know how to conduct, conduct himself in the house of God. Do you get it? Okay. Yes. Let's see whether this son knew how to conduct himself in the house of God. Look at uh, Luke chapter 15 verse 28. But he was angry and would not go in. What is he doing? Not going in. He's not going where? Into the house. Into the house. He is in the outhouse. Remember? He is behaving like a dog. <laughs> Correct? Okay. Therefore, his father came out. <laughs> now the father is in the outhouse. <laughs> That's the mercy of God. That the father comes to where this elder son is. Comes to him and pleaded with him. Which is what Paul was writing to Timothy. 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 Don't fall for these false doctrines. Please, don't fall away. Don't jump into it. Okay, pleaded with them. So he answered and said, so he answered. Like the father is in this place that he is. And he answered and said to his father, Lo, does he call his father, father? No. 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 Why? Angry. No. Because he does. He does not know that he is a father. Son. Remember? Anger comes because when you don't know that you are a son of this most high God. Anger comes because he doesn't know that he is a son of God. He doesn't know that he is a son of God. See, lo, all these years I have been, look at the word. Serving you. He's talking like the first Adam or the second, the resurrected son of God. First Adam. I have not transgressed any commandment at any time. And yet, you never gave me a young goat. 
that I may make merry with my friends. So did he receive the benefits of being loyal? Did he receive the benefits of following all the commandments? Did he receive the benefits of performance? Did he receive it? No. He didn't. But was he angry? Yes. But did his anger cause him to receive the benefits? No. What did the father tell him? My, my son, you have... You are always with me. You are always with me. See, that's the, what's, that's, this is what is going to happen. A lot of believers are going to show up before the father's throne and then complain, how come I did not receive the victory in my health? How come I did not receive the prosperity? How come I did not receive all the things? And the father is going to tell you, son, you're always with me. You are not just with me now when you're seeing me. You were with me when you were in that house in Van Winkle, in Silver Table, in Frisco, in Plano. You are always with me. And what is the next line? And all I have is yours. All that I have is yours. Did Jesus inherit all things? Yes. Therefore, you inherit all things. Hallelujah.